1: Hi there hockey fans and welcome to PuckCast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's hockey podcast show. I'm Paul Bruno and you can follow me as usual at Statsman22 and I'm joined as always by AJ Scholes who is an excellent follow for hockey fans at scholes 24 That's AJ-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. And AJ, we're nicely into the new year now and people are back into their routines at work and school etc and uh, we're turning the second half of the hockey season right now but i'm curious to know in an, on an ugly looking tuesday morning here in toronto uh, uh, are things okay in your neck of the woods
2: yeah it's not much better here either we got a, a gross kind of wintry mix coming down uh, the roads are a little icy you throw in some bad drivers there and we're actually kind of lucky i uh, i made it this morning uh, at one point there it looked like you might have to record the puck cast by yourself
1: well, I would have deferred it. There's no way I'm doing this by myself. It's good to have the banter back and forth, and I, I like when I almost like more when we disagree on points than when we agree. It's kind of more more fun. <laughs> yeah,
2: that that is an enjoyable part. I, I'm racking up all the loonies, although not sure how much that's really going to buy me.
1: <laughs> you think so, eh? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, as always, before we get on with the program, I want to remind listeners that throughout the week. Uh, If you have questions about your lineups, fantasy, hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us and we'll try and answer your questions during our next podcast or throughout the week. Uh, And as Paul mentioned, you can follow me at scholes 24 and you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22.
1: All right. And we invite our listeners to please keep your thoughts and questions coming. We we help them in daily fantasy and we help some people in season long too. I remember there was a question a couple of weeks ago about Duncan Keith, the guy wanted to dump him boy oh boy have you seen what keith's done lately i hope he hasn't gotten rid of him but uh, we try to help, we try to help people on a daily basis not not just once a week when we do the pod and now we added a second show on uh, later in the week on thursdays to handle the uh, dfs format on another busy night in the nhl so please circle back to us a little bit later this week for that episode as well and uh, today we'll get back to our routine AJ where we go through a 30 team sweep and choose uh try to choose a compelling topic or two and discuss a player or two in each uh, of the club's situations let's start out at Anaheim as usual John Gibson's playing pretty solidly in goal uh consecutive starts he's up to about eight now and uh has he proven anything yet in your eyes so what
2: I what I like about Gibson is that he can keep you in games. Um, if it's close, he he's not necessarily going to lose them for you, but he's not going to win them for you, in my opinion either. So um, he's kind of middle of the road in that sense. Not quite tier one, but but a, a solid backstop for you.
1: And then another thing in Anaheim. Uh what about Ryan Getzlaff and Perry? They, uh, they're not getting in too many goals and Getzlaff's out of the lineup, but they have had other guys on that offense pick up the slack a little bit. So it's a little deeper than what we've seen in the past. Thank goodness for them. What's your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I agree. I, you know, as you mentioned, Getzlaff has missed the last three games in a row with a lower body injury. Not sure uh, if he's going to play tonight against Dallas. Uh, I'm not too concerned about Perry. You know, what he's been lacking in goals, uh, he's been making up with assists. He's got 23 on the year already, so pacing uh, ahead of usual for him. Uh, I do, you know, we've highlighted a couple of different guys. I think Nick Ritchie has, has contributed as, as well as one can expect from the third line, um, as well as as we've highlighted on several occasions, Jakob Silverberg is, is definitely stepping up for him
1: exactly so it's not just a one-trick pony or a one-line pony there right now and, and they're starting to get back into the mix in that division uh still in the west coast we're looking at a team like arizona uh i think it was a good call to send uh, Strom to the world juniors he captained team canada and they lost in that epic final against the...
2: Oh, United. did they? they? They lost that, Paul. I, I, I forgot. I'm did
1: glossing it? over it. It's a shootout loss. <laughs> you know how I feel about shootouts. They could probably still be playing that overtime. It was a wonderful session. I don't care who won, won or lost as much as you do, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was a great game. And, and uh, it's a sad thing that it had to end that way. But Strom, I think, really took advantage of the time there to to get his game in order. And I think it's a good, good experience for him that, that will make him uh, better as a hockey player when he gets back to the National Hockey League. I think it was a good call by Arizona to send him down.
2: Yeah, I agree. I I, I think we were both kind of on that that train throughout the season. Uh, I think at, at one point we probably were both questioning why they didn't do it uh, sooner than they did, but uh, definitely a, a good place for him to be in in time for him to develop and develop some of those leadership skills as you mentioned by by captaining team canada
1: and another thing that i like that they're doing in arizona they grabbed a couple of guys who are former first rounders uh uh, they struggled in other stops in the nhl but they get another good crack at things in in uh, arizona situation peter holland came from the leafs and uh he he uh, played well in fits and starts here, but in Toronto. But he's getting a better shot in Arizona at regular ice time. And now Burmistrov has uh, been picked up on waivers by Arizona. This is another guy that was a former first round pick. Both these guys, big body players with some skill, uh, upside skill possibilities. I think that uh, the, I like the, what they're doing here in Arizona in that regard.
2: Yeah I really like both those pickups as well you know both these guys are going to be free agents next year uh, and as you mentioned they weren't playing at their old club this basically becomes an extended tryout for them that doesn't really cost the Coyotes anything um, you know they can test these guys out see what they still have and if they want look to resign them next season.
1: Yeah and in the meantime they're getting quality fill uh, in their lineup from these guys with that first round pedigree as I said. Over in Boston I a little bit concerned here AJ I gotta admit If not for the heroics of Tuukka Rask, this team's in big trouble. As it is, they're barely holding on to the final playoff spot in in the Atlantic Division. And I think that uh, my Maple Leafs are going to give them a good run for the money. Maybe even the Buffalo Sabres. It's uh, not a lock that the the Bruins make the playoffs. Their two veteran centers are uh, over 30 and underperforming. And uh, not much to cling on to beyond them, uh, apart from a guy named Dave Pasternak. We've talked about him a little bit.
2: Yeah, the biggest concern, as you mentioned, is if anything were to happen to Rask. Uh, especially, they had a big shakeup in the backup spot. They right. they waived Kudobin and brought up Zane McIntyre, who got absolutely shelled in his first appearance after that after that call up. You know, Brad Marchand still leading the team in points, um, but yeah, Bergeron having just eight goals and seven assists is is certainly concerning, especially after you know how well he performed at the World Cup. It it seemed like he was primed to have you know top notch season and, right. and has really dropped off after
1: that. Yeah, you're right about that. And uh, over in Buffalo, Kyle is still their leading scorer. I don't know if that that's a great sign, but he was he was a great signing in the offseason. Uh, they paid a lot of money to bring him in, but uh, in terms of the rebuild process I think people are starting to wonder just a little bit when they see what's going on in Edmonton and Toronto and how they didn't sign too many. Well, Edmonton did sign Lucic, but they haven't spent a ton of money in either place. They both have some caps, cap room where uh, instead the, the Buffalo team is kind of almost tapped out in terms of the high end money that they can afford to spend. So I'm a little concerned there about the, the rebuild. Maybe, I, I might say it's stalled a little bit over in Buffalo. How, what's your impression?
2: Yeah, that's a great term for it. Definitely stalled. Uh, and number one, in my opinion, as I've mentioned all season long, is goaltending. You know, Lerner might be able to throw some punches here or there, but he's allowed <laughs> three goals in four straight games. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, after that, it's a lack of production from Evander Kane. Uh, 14 points, but a minus 10 on the year. And that cap hit a $6 million annually. That You're going to want a whole lot more production at that cost. I'm not sure that anybody's going to want to take on not only that contract but any of the uh, off-ice concerns as well with Kane so it'll be interesting to see what if anything they can do with him or if he can figure out a way to turn it around
1: exactly and you know there's a couple other guys that are going to fall off their, their books in a little while like a Brian Gianta but he's been a pretty effective placeholder in, in the middle of some of the the rubbish that we've seen out of the Sabres uh, underperformance of late I'll say over in calgary when we first think about the young guns up front we think about the two names uh, Monahan and gaudreau but most recently michael backland has been impactful of late with a six, point, uh, six game point streak that includes a total of 11 points so he's on fire over there and the same can be said for michael for so they've got basically a second set of forwards that are really producing and they can build two solid lines maybe even parts of three around these guys and that's a that's a positive sign up front but uh, I uh, as an owner of Brian Elliott in a season long I'm pretty happy to see that he's back in the driver's seat in the goalie mix I know you don't hold out a lot of hope for that continuing but I have to like what's going on uh, that he started five of the last seven games and Calgary seems to be riding the ship a little bit offensively at least
2: yeah as you mentioned the offense has really exploded they've got 24 goals in their last seven games you know, and Brian Elliott five one and zero with a two point one seven goals against average since kind of reclaiming that starting job. Um, but as as you alluded to, I would not rule out Chad Johnson quite yet. No. I, I think he can get uh, get back in contention, and and maybe if they're both performing well, we'll see more of a goalie split than uh, than one guy kind of being uh, relied upon.
1: You yeah. know. I think i think at the bottom line that that's good news that both guys are playing a little bit better and they're getting that scoring so uh, uh, calgary's become a bit of a tough out uh, for opponents in the last few days and another team that's trying to get into that same mold is carolina we know that they've got the lockdown goalie and and a defense that doesn't give up too many shots and uh they're heartened up front i mean on the blue line when when you talk about justin falk he came back from a stint on the injury reserve and i can point out that he had nine points in 11 December games. That's more or less what you expect from him in terms of the offensive production, which we didn't see earlier on in the season. But it's the three young Scandinavian forwards that are leading this team of late. I'm talking about Terevanen, Aho, and Rask, giving them a new look up front and some hope finally offensively, AJ.
2: And the team suddenly just five points behind the flyers for a wild card spot um, after that strong December. Uh, they went seven, four and three you know that month, and you know, those guys have combined uh, uh, for 14 goals and 20 helpers since, since the beginning of last month. And you know, for me though, I think Rask would be my go-to guy out of those three. He can be a little streaky, but I think he offers the most upside, especially in daily formats.
1: What about in Chicago? This is a team that, you know, we don't want to ever count them out because they're certainly the one uh, salary cap post dynasty, uh, post salary cap dynasty team that you can point to other side, other than Los Angeles, I guess. And uh, as I said, Duncan Keith is on fire among the top scoring D men in the league with 11 points in his last 12 games. I didn't, we didn't give up on him and we hope you guys didn't in your daily and and season long. He's still one of the guys who I look to as a top tier defenseman in the league. And, uh, we talked one of our followers out of this, out of dropping him, uh, and I hope that uh, that list was a very short one in terms of considering dropping him. But another guy that's worth the discussion today is Vince Hinestroza. He's taken a top six minutes role with six points in his last t- eleven games. That's about a forty-five point pace. Uh, certainly not what anybody would have expected of Hinestroza. He's a nice plug-in uh, playing with some of the more dynamic players in that in that uh, part of the lineup here in Chicago, isn't he? He
2: is. But my my concern there is. You know who he's paired up with. He's with Taves and Hosa. If uh, if Joe Quinville shakes things up and sends him down to maybe a second or even a third line spot, I doubt he's going to produce anywhere near the numbers we've been seeing lately. (laughs) So I, I would maybe hedge on him, or or if you can pick him off the waiver wire now, let him perform well, and then time you know trading him to somebody else in your league at the right time. And yeah, you mentioned Duncan Keith's production. What's most impressive about that is how it's been basically a revolving door for who his uh, his, you know, mate is there on on that top pairing. You know, Jalmerson's it right now. They've had TVR up there. Seabrooks played with him a little bit, Um, but it, it seems not to matter to him. Whoever is standing next to him on the blue line, you know, he just keeps doing his thing
1: that's for sure and uh talk about what doing their thing colorado is but they stink man i don't know they're (laughs) really creating some distance between them and everybody else for the best shot at the first uh, lottery pick i guess is is what they're looking forward to uh the thing they got going for them though as uh, we look forward to the trade deadline which is still over a month away there's uh, fewer sellers than buyers here. There's not a lot of teams that are right out of contention. So they may be able to drive the price up on some players that are in the 30 something uh, range uh, in terms of their age and I'm talking about Ginla, Tutin and Boschman. The latter two are two good puck moving defensemen and Boschman is actually a pretty good all-around defenseman who they, uh, those two uh, rear guards could really be helpful in terms of an extended playoff run where it's kind of a war of attrition and you really have to bolster your depth and so those guys would be excellent add-ons and again what can you say this guy's a warrior and I'd hate to see him play out the string in a non-playoff year I'd love to see him moved at the deadline so these are three names that should be in the middle of trade talks in Colorado and to me AJ that's pretty much all this team has to look forward to the rest of the season
2: yeah, I think the problem is none of those guys has more than 15 points this season. Yeah, which I'm I'm not sure what the market is going to be there. Um, you know, if they really want some kind of return as far as a rebuild goes, I think they need to really seriously consider putting up Landeskog or McKinnon um, to really stockpile some draft picks because I don't think teams are going to pay up the type of return you want in order to rebuild. For you know, again Teuton and Bochiman.
1: Yeah, you may have a point there. I mean, you're you're selling their experience more than their current production is. What my point is, I really think though, I I gotta disagree with you. If they start to tear it down with with movement of Landeskog and McKinnon, those two are cornerstones to what they have. They're young guys, and you expect that you can build around them. It's like uh, they're in their mid twenties, and and lots of lots of good years left for both of them. I think, and and they're just caught caught up in the the uh, terrible situation that the team finds itself in right now they can't do it by themselves and there's just not enough of a supporting cast so i would hesitate to go the full uh, the full monday that you're calling for uh it remains to be seen though which direction they take i just think it's the easy way to get a couple of smaller assets i'm not saying first round draft picks for any of the three names that i mentioned but maybe you can get a couple of thirds and and maybe a second even in some for the three guys that i'm talking about and that helps you've got to have have volume at the draft table because you're going to make mistakes sometimes but you're going to hit on volume i think and that's really my motivation for saying that in columbus well they finally lost a game or two Uh, so what next Uh, offensively and defensively they're still a very sound team i think it's worth noting that a couple of names that uh, we've been watch watching very closely uh, for me seth jones Uh, i i knew he was a a good solid defensive defenseman but he's he seems to be piling up some points aj too and and could join that top d-man club in the league yeah,
2: absolutely. I, I love what he's been able to do this year. He's really thriving under the, the new regime there. Um, and I, I think it's it's gone well for him. I think there were some initial concerns when he came over from Nashville, um, but he's definitely gotten comfortable this season. And I expect this team to go on another run. Uh, Given their upcoming schedule, I mean, three of their next six games are against Carolina, who we've talked about is kind of surging, but there's I still don't see them as an elite program right now. And then they also face Florida, Ottawa and Tampa. Uh, And the Senators are the only current playoff team that they're going to play until they meet the Rangers again at the end of the month. So uh, a little bit of an easier schedule, in my opinion, for them coming up, which could lend itself to another extended run for them.
1: And uh, also with Columbus, uh, we can mention Sam Gagnier. This is a guy that I've been waiting on for some offensive upside. And we're seeing it this year with 30 points in 38 games. But I'm thinking that this might be a good guy. Talk about the trade deadline. If they want to bolster their blue line, this guy's a guy that I see could be uh, a sell-high candidate to fix their, their defensive issues. Might you agree?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, they're using him on the fourth line right now. And I, I think on another team, he could definitely be third, if not even a second line option for uh for a couple other teams there that are in need of some additional depth so yeah i think teams might be willing to in my opinion overpay you know you're looking at one good year compared to um a a couple of down years but uh i think the market's there for it definitely
1: and uh, over in dallas well what what we can point to is that they've been better defensively in the last 10 games. Maybe it's a function of get, getting a little bit healthier too, but I noted that they've paired up a couple of Euro stars in uh, Lindell and Klingberg on their blue line, and they've led to a two-way surge by the team. So uh, I see that as a positive element there, but I know that you got a good Twitter question that you want to get to when we're talking about the Dallas situation.
2: Yeah, quickly, I'll mention uh, Lindell. He's been at zero or higher in the plus-minus rating for his last 20 games, including a plus-four last night, uh, while Kingberg has eight points in nine games. So they're definitely really complementing each other well, one offensively, one more defensively. Um, But it's a great way, in my opinion, to pair up defensemen. Uh, For the Twitter question, I got it yesterday from at the Fantasy Rock. And he was asking what to expect from Sharp the rest of the way. Uh, Certainly, you know, Patrick Sharp had three points last night. Paul, do you think this is a sign of things to come, or is this just a blip on the radar for him?
1: Well, you know, you got to take his season in some. Uh, I'm seeing 15 games played. He's only got six points, so <laughs> that was a bit of an explosion uh, on the season to date. But uh, I'd like to see more from him. He's he's get, on the wrong side of uh, uh, the long career, I'll say. He's near the end of the line uh, uh, from what I can view. And unless he's in that primo situation on the top line with Sagan, and, uh, and Ben, I, I'd feel a little bit, uh, I feel a little less comfortable maybe than, than your listener implies that we should be. Uh, I, I don't see this guy being a big factor the rest of the year. I think they've got other players that they're going to lean on. And, and I think, don't buy, don't buy into what happened last night. I think that's just a blip, in my opinion.
2: i I think i'm inclined to agree he he sent a a snapshot of some of the other options that were available in his league and and i think uh uh zucker was one of them in minnesota i think that would be a great pickup over um over uh, sharp at this point
1: great call there this is a guy on a better better see you look at the situation too it's a better more solid team there and the guy's got a uh locked in role as a top six guy maybe even a Uh, a power play specialist too from time to time so you got to look at the options that are on the table before you commit to a veteran Uh, the league is getting younger and you want some upside particularly if you're in a dynasty league that's another factor AJ that uh, we might throw into the situation well we want to spend a little time with the Red Wings too Uh, they're last in the Atlantic division it's been a long time since we've been able to say anything like that about the Wings compounding their current misery though is a long list of players that's still on the ir and worse even long-term ir the owners of the red wings have the biggest salary outlay of any club this year as a result of these issues and uh, they can claim help at least under the salary cap to be uh, allowed to go that route but outside of this helps not going to be likely on its way because they can't bring in more money until they shed some Uh, they got to get healthy before they can take a shot at things don't they
2: yeah, I mean, the good news is they're going to get Abdo and Green back tonight, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm, I'm finally there, Paul. I think I'm ready to admit that getting those two guys back is going to be too little, too late. Uh, and after they lost three of their last four here uh, and, you know, they're facing some of the league's best in the coming days. So I think I'm ready to concede that the playoff streak might be over.
1: Well, I might be able to send some black armbands from Toronto over to our friends in Detroit (laughs) that they can wear the rest of the season. I've worn them not with any pride for much of the last 10. And uh, uh, it'd be kind of ironic if Toronto took their spot uh, and made it to the playoffs. Uh, I'm not going to chirp them though for a while. There's a long way to go. Uh, In Edmonton, Edmonton, Maroon is scoring in a top-six role. I called this, and I, I like the fact that they aren't married to the fact that Lucic signed the big deal, and they're rewarding, in fact, the guy that's actually delivering the goods over there. But I'm even happier with what they did with uh, Puglia Yarvi who they sent him to the AHL which is interesting he he could have gone to the juniors earlier on in the season but he played more than the 10 games and so by rule they have to send him to the AHL right now and at least they're cutting bait before they they wreck this kid there's a lot of upside in the third and a third overall draft pick in the uh, most recent draft and I'm glad they're not burning him out uh, in a bad situation there in Edmonton.
2: Yeah, this could turn out to be, you know, one of the best trios uh, in the league with McDavid centering Dreisaitl and Maroon Um, and definitely looking at those guys, it would be hard to knock a potential stack against of those guys against San Jose in your in your DFS lineups tonight or most nights for that matter. Um, And yeah, as you mentioned, Puglia Jarvie, they burned a year of restricted free agency, but I think it's worth uh, worth doing in order to send him down to Bakersfield to get, uh, you know, some top line playing. I'm sure he'll be on their top line down there and can certainly, you know, get some more experience, some more time to develop and grow his game.
1: And in Florida, we talked a lot about how they they had some upside in the preseason but things have really gone awry and all the news here of late seems to be injury related their top two big centers Barkov and that are on the shelf joining Huberto who's probably going to be away for another three to four weeks at least uh, uh, on the plus side they did get Roberto Luongo back and he came back in fine style registering a shutout and moving up on the all-time wins ladder passing Terry Sachuk, my chi- one of my childhood idols and but uh, scoring remains a bit of an issue for the Panthers here, AJ, and that's going to keep them down, maybe in the on the brink of the playoff hunt uh, the rest of this season, in my opinion.
2: Agreed, Paul. The the bright side here is they might get Seth uh, Seth Griffith back tonight, who's been a a fantastic pickup off of uh, Boston's waiver wire there. Um, but all season long, we've highlighted Jonathan Marchessault as the lone kind of offensive bright spot on this team. He's got five points in the last six. But it's just not enough, as you mentioned, Paul. And if not for Luwangu, this very well could be a lottery team.
1: Wow, that's and that's saying something. Who would have predicted that? Uh, uh, in Los Angeles, this won't be a lottery team, we don't think. And Jake Muzzin's minutes have gone up; uh, they spiked pretty considerably over the last four games. He has four points of the eleven that he's got this year. This is a guy who's flirted with forty points in the past, uh, earlier in his career, as recently as last couple of years, in fact. Uh, but Uh, I I don't know if it's sustainable just because this team just doesn't score enough other than Jeff Carter the forwards are nowhere near scoring what we expect from them Uh, can they can they hold the fort there I
2: I do have to point out that Marion Gabrick's nightmarish streak finally came to an end (laughs) Uh, so it wasn't the prettiest of goals but you know sometimes those puck luck goals from the dirty areas can change the momentum for a guy's season so maybe it's a turning point for Gabrick to start lighting it up a little bit more um and yeah you highlighted muzzin I, I think the key here has been the added time on the power play seems to be really you know relishing that although he did have a real rough go of it last night yeah. uh, with a minus four rating
1: yeah so it's not all sunshine and roses yet for los angeles or jake muzzin but uh this they they're a playoff pedigree team and i look for them every time january roll january rolls around the last five or six years that's when this club's turned it around so you might want to keep an eye on them to see if they can repeat that one more time it's the goalie situation that's a little murky that that might hold them back but john again there jonathan quick's about a month away from returning so they got to hold the fort for a little while longer there And over in Minnesota, this is a team, I'm going to say it, they're the best in the West right now. And uh, I wonder if you challenge that thought. Uh, it's a top team team that I see that don't don't have any weaknesses in my opinion and I love the fact that on defense we've seen a, a step in the development of Dumba on the blue line and and they've done a good job managing the minutes they're down a little bit he usually is around 30 per game he's around 26 27 right now and I think that's a good step and it's a good indicator that some of the rest of the guys on the blue line are pulling more of their weight but uh, I'm really excited about Dumba's development what do you see for him
2: I, I expect big things out of him as well. You know, my my one concern is their depth. I think uh, Dumba getting better is definitely going to help if anything were to happen to Suter. Yeah. I think he's shown that he can step into that role. Um, but I do have very you know serious concerns with this team as far as depth goes. If they lost one of those tip, top six guys for any extended period of time or, as I mentioned, if they lost Sutter, Uh, I think they just don't have the depth on that lineup to kind of fill those gaps. So it's all it's all coming up uh coming up roses right now paul but if somebody got hurt i think they'd be in a world of hurt
1: yeah but uh, right now you got to make a case that if it wasn't for brett burns people might be talking about Brent uh, ryan sutter as one of the best defensemen in all of hockey a plus 24 and 22 points those are great numbers from a guy who logs a ton of minutes and it's uh, indicative of just how good this team has been they got a lot of guys in the plus 20 range they're scoring a lot of goals and they're keeping the puck out of the net And Devin Dubnik's uh, really benefiting from that as well in a visited trophy type uh, season for him. Well, I spoke, uh, hinted about the Norris Trophy. Of course, I got a good look at Montreal's uh, Shea Weber on Saturday night uh, when he visited Toronto. This guy's got six points in his last four games he's playing flawless d right now where a lot of toughness very economical in his own end and he's got that big booming shot going for him this is a club that's missing seven regulars aj i know they got smoked at home by washington last night but they're really holding their own and it's all about weber price and pacioretty here in montreal isn't it uh,
2: generally i would agree but don't rule out alexander Radulov, who is just three points behind pacioretty and he's racked up eight points in his last six. Uh, so I, I do think this team might be a little bit deeper than than you're giving them uh, credit for, Paul. You might have your Montreal blinders on uh, as far as it comes to them. But it, it, it is definitely hinging on those three guys. But I do think they have some scoring talent uh, on the team that can kind of fill in until they get a few of those guys Gallagher, Char, Descharnins uh, are all on IR. So once they get those guys back, this is definitely a dangerous team.
1: Yeah, it, it's their division to lose. I don't think anybody's gonna challenge them in the Atlantic and that's a pretty good advantage they'll have because over in the Mediterranean, Mediterranean, in the Metropolitan Division, they're gonna knock heads the top four teams there that are all better than Montreal so far this season, I gotta say, and so it could be a real advantage for the Canadians to being in that division, getting healthy down the stretch, they may have a really, really easy ch- uh, path to the conference final, if you can project that far. But anytime you talk about Montreal and so- Shea Weber, you have to turn around. And we've talked, done it, done this pivot many times. P.K. Subban is on the IR for two more weeks, at least, with an upper body hurt. But the good news in uh, Nashville is their, their young wonder kid Forsberg is waking up offensively with six points in his last seven games. Is he turning the corner or is, it, or is this just a blip, uh, AJ? What do you see for this offense and, and this kid in particular?
2: I do think uh, I see good things coming up for for right here. I, I've been waiting for it a, for a while this season. You know, he's put up, you know, over 60 points the last two years and just seem like uh, I, I give his early season struggles are more the exception rather than the rule. I think we're finally seeing him turn it around this year. Whatever was holding him back, it, it seems like he's shaking off. And I do want to point out they did lose. Uh, their leading scorer James Neal to IR as well that's another huge hit for them and you know they're going to really need Forbesberg to be absolutely on top of his game to try and fill that gap uh, I think the one silver lining here is that Subban really wasn't doing much to begin with uh, so it makes it easier to replace his offensive production with a guy like Ryan Ellis um, but you know if you got to find the silver lining that's it
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we find a silver lining in new jersey this is a team that that is like carolina for me and we've talked about the big x through rosters at the beginning of the season those through clubs got the big x from me but right now both of them are showing good balanced offense at least in the top six in new jersey uh, they're getting to- uh, scoring from about six or seven different forwards where before it was a one-line team you had to scrape together Uh, trouble is in goal Schneider's looked very ordinary of late and he's taken a big big step backward uh, from last year's uh, high high level of play I think he's troubled also by the fact that there's three big injuries on the defensive end of things uh, for this club so they're getting more offense but surprisingly their defense is suffering
2: yeah, I think you're dead on there, Paul. The Devils are giving up 31.3 shots per night uh, with Sh- Schneider starting eight of the team's last 10 games. So looking, uh, I think, as you mentioned, a little overworked there. Um, and it's not like Kincaid has looked terrible in his appearances. He's been a solid, you know, kind of relief appearance. So I, I'm not sure why they're not using him more. And I would expect with those three guys out that you mentioned, uh, Atuve, Atuve, Green and more. I would expect those shots on goal to go up even higher.
1: Yep, and uh, I want to give you a nod for your call in, in on the island. They're giving Thomas grice a call. He looks like he's the undisputed number one goalie there. What can we expect from him in the future? Is one question I have for you. But I think they may have found something on that first line uh, they've kind of had a revolving door uh, of options around Tavares in the last year and a half two years there but maybe have settled on a combination that I think works Uh, they've got Anders Lee who broke out uh, in a fine rookie campaign and he's built on that this year thriving with Tavares and and Bailey who's another great playmaker on the wing so definitely you got two guys can get the puck to their sniper and uh, Tavares is a pretty good great all around forward so I like the makeup of this line.
2: Yeah, Grice has uh, been doing actually really well lately. Uh, He's allowed just three goals in his last two outings. Unfortunately, it's been the offense that's let him down. Both of those outings were, you know, overtime losses. So if he can continue to perform at that level and they can maybe get some scoring, I I expect big things out of him. Um, But I I wouldn't put him in that elite class of goaltender. Uh, He's definitely, you know, suffering right now from being on a bad team. And, yeah, as you mentioned, Anders Lee being on the top line, it's looking more and more like bringing in Andrew Ladd was just a terrible choice. Yeah. Um, he was expected to be in that top-line spot, but now they've got him all the way down on the third line, just trying to find somewhere to put him uh, You know, where they can stash him away and, and hopefully move on to next season as far as he's concerned.
1: Boy, oh, boy. This is a team that had Okpozo in their lineup, and they replaced him basically with Anders Lee. I mean, for, with uh, the guy that you mentioned there, and, and and really, uh, he's not lived up to that. So I'd lo- I wonder if they could undo the things and make a trade for one of those guys to make, get it back to square one. They would love to be able to close their eyes and make that happen. It's just not going <laughs> to. It's just a shame that things go that way on the island more often than not in recent years. And uh, pretty soon it's going to be time to blow that thing up. I, I really do believe because uh, Grice, like you said, not the number one goalie that most other teams cherish or look forward to putting in there. I think he's a stopgap guy myself uh new york rangers there are no stop gaps here aj in fact they're making uh, chicken soup out of chicken you know what uh, when they got a guy like (laughs) michael grabner who was a star of the week in the nhl this past week i got a year full of this guy last year in toronto and he was awful but he's thriving because around him they've got five other guys who are on at least a 60 point pace in terms of their season-long possibilities up front and on the blue line Nick Holden a name that we didn't mention too much when we talked about high-end defensemen at the beginning of the year he's sparkling right now in a second pairing and he's insulated by one of the best defensive defensemen in the league and Dan Girardi but and I also want to add the note about Rick Nash they haven't even got this guy playing and they're still rolling along in in the metro division he's missed eight games with a groin injury I wonder when we're going to see him there's no real uh, news yet on the horizon there that I know of
2: Yeah. The key I think for this team is the unselfish play. I mean, as you mentioned, having five guys on, on a 60 point pace, that means the pucks being, you know, shared, uh, between the guys, nobody's trying to be the go-to. And I really think that's been, uh, what's helped them the last couple of years. We've talked about in the past that there's no one kind of key guy that Uh, any other like opposing teams can key in on and it makes it harder to stop them it allows them to adapt and play different styles of of game and at the end of the day when you've got King Henrik as the backstop uh, it's never going to be too bad in New York
1: now we've talked about the schedule in the past it was one of the rants that I had when we talked about how some teams have a gap in their schedule and others have to play many many back-to-back games Ottawa's got a curious one AJ that I want to focus on for a minute Uh, in in about a week and a half they'll have played 47 games 27 of which were home games and they're hanging around on the periphery of of playoff spot right now but I think they're going to rue the day in the second half when they're going to be on the road a lot and also it's worth noting that they've gone with Mike Condon for 13 straight games they're really working this kid hard he's trying to hang in there he's got a six five and two mark in that stretch but uh, this could all go a glimmer in a hurry when they start to hit the road I think
2: yeah, I would agree. If you look at his numbers, he's uh, in his last 16 games, he's 4-1-3 and at home with a 1.84 goals against average, but 3-4-0 and on the road with a 3.27 goals against average. So pretty significant swing. That's almost a goal and a half um, extra per game. So that's a tough road schedule is definitely a red flag for me watching this team. They're up in the standings now, but if he continues to perform that poorly given the number of games they have on the road coming up they could find himself looking at a wild card or even being out of the playoffs
1: i'm, I'm glad you threw in the numbers to support my argument they called me the stats man that was awesome well done <laughs> uh the philadelphia flyers some cracks are starting to show here just as in ottawa they've got six losses in their last seven games before yesterday's play street Strite also a veteran on the blue line he's pushing 38 39 years old it looks like he may be done uh, he's moved not only to the IR but I could see him going to the long-term IR to give them some sa- some salary cap relief they had to make this move because they got Michael Neuverth squeezed back into the lineup that's the that's downside news in my opinion but even more the ghost ghost despair has not been so magical this year is he AJ? he's got 19 points sure but he's a minus 12 the numbers were a lot more favorable a year ago and i think this is just symptomatic of what we're seeing in philadelphia uh, of late and maybe over the most of the rest of the season we can forecast the same thing
2: yeah the the one kind of still bright spot for him even though his production's down uh four goals and 15 assists 12 of those points have come on the power play so he is still when he's contributing those points are coming on the power play but as you mentioned the numbers just aren't there and and somehow this boggles my mind but somehow just having Michael Newforth on the 23 man roster causes Mason to completely fall apart I, I don't understand what it is anytime Newforth is on the roster he performs poorly um, you know Mason's on a six-game losing streak. Uh, certainly, it doesn't all fall the goaltending. Their scoring has dried up a little bit. They've only got 13 goals in their last seven games. But how just having this guy as his backup suddenly makes him bad? I just don't get it. But if that's the case, if that's what it takes, all the more reason that they need to get rid of Newbirth immediately.
1: Well, here's a bit of an inside scoop that I got in, in the Toronto scene last year to to speak to what Mason might be going through. Uh, They had the same thing. It was revealed to me. Now that both goalies are gone, I can talk about it. But Bernier and Reimer were the goalie tandem in Toronto for a couple of years. And whenever Bernier was... uh trying to hold on to the role he had to look over his shoulder at Reimer and it bothered it it bothered his game he was really uh contesting every puck with with the knowledge that uh, if he fanned on it he could be on the bench really quickly and and it really got to in in between his ears and Reimer on the other hand was the second guy in the pecking order and he just relished the opportunity to play whenever he got it so I think the same thing has gone on in Philadelphia and uh, uh, I don't have any insiders there to confirm that but I do know that it's a it was a thing in Toronto and it could be very well a thing that's going on in Philly. Uh, I probably and you're probably not too disappointed as a Pittsburgh fan (laughs) speaking of the pens uh, I wonder what you think about what's going on in their net as Marc-Andre Fleury's taking control he's got a five-game win streak going and and uh, so he's playing as hot as a firecracker right now but I also want to get your opinion on Justin Schultz this is a guy who I thought would be an excellent fit in Pittsburgh he failed in a previous couple of stops but I think this is really a low-pressure situation for him because he wasn't really being counted on to be that offensive filler on the blue line. He's done a great job, though, with Letang, Letang out of the lineup and filling in for him very admirably.
2: Yeah, Paul. I, I'm going to apologize here to to you and our listeners. I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit here. I think people have been writing off Mark Andre Fleury all season long, talking about him like he's completely washed up. Like it, it's gotten to the point where it sounds like people are suggesting he should retire. He's you know so bad. He really hasn't been. He's just been a little outplayed by Murray and. You know he's on a five game win streak with a 1.84 goals against average and that says i'm not washed up i'm not done i'm here to stay Uh, we mentioned the problems having two goalies in in philadelphia clearly the flower and matt murray are just pairing off each other well they clearly get along and complement each other well because they both thrive in you know when they're called upon and i think it's a great you know great situation Mark andre Fleury would be a n- clear starter on more than half the teams in the league. Why people are talking about him, why like he's all done and, and ready to you know, be put out to pasture is beyond me. Um, you mentioned, I'll get off my soapbox here, get back to the, the rest of the team. <laughs> you mentioned Justin Schultz. Uh, the, he's showing, finally, why he was a second-round pick back in 2008 a nice little plug there he is a Wisconsin Badger which I love of course um, so it's a great thing for me watching a former Badger thrive on the Pittsburgh
1: Penguins it doesn't get better for you for you you must be a president of his fan club but a quick question <laughs> before we move on to other teams then AJ Las Vegas is going to need a goalie might they be looking at one of the Penguins guys and if so who do you think the pens make available on that draft
2: yeah it's it i really i've been in favor of expansion for a long time, but now suddenly I'm not <laughs> i I do think as much as I don't want to see him go, he's been such a staple on the team. I do think you have to consider youth as part of you know your future success, and I think for that reason only. I think they need to make sure Murray is the one protected and maybe let them take the flower, unfortunately. I don't want it to happen. I wish there's a way around it and maybe they can come up with something. Um, but if one guy has to go, I think it has to be flower only because you have to consider long term and the youth option with Matt Murray.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably the way they're going to have to go. I mentioned about the Norris Trophy situation. Uh, I, I don't know how you don't pick a guy like Brett Burns, he's my nominee certainly the best in the West, uh, enjoying a career best season. When you think about the fact he was almost a point-of-game guy, he's at that level this year. The plus, plus minus is way up over what it was last year. I think he's head and shoulders the best defenseman in ho- all of hockey when you consider the all-around game. The Sharks are spreading their offense around him, and they're also using Marlow on a third line role. That speaks to uh, what they're trying to do there, spread the wealth, while uh, Timo Meyer and uh, LeBanc are two left wingers who, you know, neither one of us would have profiled them at the beginning of the season. They're holding down places in the first two lines. I'm not sure I'm crazy about that move, but I think it's a placeholder until a guy like Thomas Hurtle is uh, back from injury. I know that's a bit of way, but uh, do you like what they're doing with their offensive mix here is my question.
2: I do. I like the strategy of spreading out the scoring. Um, it allows them to roll three lines uh, that are all capable of scoring. And I think that creates matchup nightmares for their opposing teams. Uh, when your third line has guys on it, like Patrick Marlowe, Joel Ward's on that line right now as well. I think it just gives you opportunities that you wouldn't have if you kind of condensed all these guys in two lines. And yeah, as you mentioned, Brent Burns, Paul, I think it's time for you to head over to the NHL offices over there, grab the Norris Trophy, pack it up for him, and send it over right away. (laughs) Don't make him wait to the end of the year. It's already his.
1: There we go. Maybe they put a fake beard all around it when they deliver (laughs) it too. In St. Louis, Robbie Fabry. This guy was a wonderful scorer in junior, and he's finally showing the same... Uh, skills at the NHL level he's in a great situation AJ with seven points in his last seven games playing top six minutes Uh, I think he's going to be a spark that finally gets a guy like Yori Latera going. Latera's only got 12 points in 35 games but he's in a great spot between Fabry and Tarasenko if you can pick up a guy like Latera I think now's the time to do it I think he gets sparked by being surrounded by the offensive upside of these two wingers.
2: That's a great suggestion there Paul Um, unfortunately for this team they're just not putting it all together at once. You know, they finally get Fabry scoring, but now David Perron is struggling on a four game drought and Drayden Swartz is on a six game pointless streak. So, so they got to figure out how to get all of these guys firing uh, at the same time and, and get them meshed together. Uh, otherwise, this season's going to continue to kind of struggle uh, and go potentially downhill. It maybe they can figure it out, but they got to get everybody on the same page.
1: And in Tampa, they just want to get people healthy over there. They're four, five, and one, and, and on a four-game losing streak. Uh, Vasilevsky, a guy that you've touted as a, a quality first uh, goalie option that could be tried eventually, he might be unfairly painted by what's going on there most recently. His goals against during this time period, when he had a lot of games with Bishop on the shelf, is right around three. But I don't think you can paint it all on, uh, hang it all on him, just because of the fact that this is an injury-riddled lineup. And I'd like to see him get a shot when these guys are healthy it just might coincide though Smith's uh, Bishop's return I'm saying might coincide with the return to health of some of the other guys and and maybe uh, observers will will be wrong in terms of their assessment here I kind of agree with you Vasilevsky is their goalie of the future and to me has all the skills to make that happen it's just that he's not had a good run of late when they probably needed him to steal a couple of games
2: yeah it's disappointing to see him struggle when when that opportunity is there for him to thrive uh, the one thing I will mention is he hasn't really missed any of his defensive, uh, you know, teammates, and so I, I would I would have expected that goals against average to be significantly lower. Sure, your team's not scoring, but when you're not missing a whole lot of your uh, defensemen, yeah, Braden Colburn's out, but they still have Victor Hedman, Strollman, uh, you know, uh, Nikita N- Nesterov. So they've got the guys there that should be helping him to to play better. And honestly, I think they need to give him some time off you know krister's good good uh Beautiful. should get a looking goal um you know he can't be any worse than vassal's been playing lately so they don't really have a whole lot to lose there um, and this might just give you know vasilevsky the night off that he needs to kind of recompose himself um you know and, and get back on track
1: you make a great point there because backup guys aren't certainly used to playing you know four games in a week or seven games in two weeks and that's what he's had to do really going from the getting splinters out of his butt uh, while he was riding the bench for the longest time with bishop (laughs) holding the fort so that's a situation that's worth monitoring and hopefully if uh, if he's undervalued vasilevsky i'd love to see him get traded to a team that we'll talk about next and that's my maple Leafs. mitch marner is proving that showtime is is back in toronto on saturday night they did lose the game but this guy put, picked up three assists three of the prettiest plays you'd ever want to see in terms of moving the puck around he's on pace to shatter the club's rookie scoring uh, marked from the point of view of assists uh, well uh, well over uh, the 40 mark is what's projected by the season's end so uh, that's the positive news but on the negative side I think they're finally to the point where they're overworking Frederick Anderson in goal he, he looks a little bit tired to me and yet they don't have the backup that they've shown a lot of faith in. They've only got one win from backup goalie so far this year. That's just not going to cut it in this league, particularly when this club, as I mentioned, has a league-high 18 back-to-back game situations during the course of the season. I wonder if they're going to take a look at uh, Jonas Gustafsson or Curtis McElhinney, two goalies that went on the waiver wire this, this week. But uh, short of that, what do you see for the Leafs in goal the rest of the season? Uh, do they mortgage any part of their future to try and get a goalie to back up Anderson? Or do they just try to make a patchwork situation with one or two of the names that I mentioned here?
2: I think they have to go patchwork, and and only because... They've done so well rebuilding this team without making the, the overspending, the, the selling you know off assets for the future. They focused so much on that. Now's not the time to give up on it. If they make the playoffs this season, I think it's a bonus. I, I don't know that anybody was expecting that. So I think give it some time. Look to next season. Uh, I, I really hemmed and hawed over the two guys that you outlined to see which I thought would be better. They're both in their 30s. Uh, Neither one has ever really gotten a a chance as a number one uh, net miner. So I think I sided with Gustafson uh, gave him the slight edge just because he's faced heavier workloads during his career. I think that'll give him the benefit of, you know, being able to come in and and give Anderson more time off to kind of rejuvenate him. So I I think I give the edge to Gustafson of those two. I do think that's a good call. Jonas Enroth is not the preferred backup there. Um, And, I will throw a, a plug in there. As you mentioned, the silent assassin, Mitch Marner, is back racking up the points, 12 points in his last 11 games, and it was his second uh, game with three assists uh, this season. So love seeing him back and rolling and hoping that nickname can can uh, carry on.
1: Maybe the rookie scoring leadership is going to come down to two Leafs because of what happened in Winnipeg. We'll get to that in a sec. But uh, Vancouver, 7-3 and three in their last 10 games this is nothing but a dead cat bounce to me this is a bad team that picked a bad time to get on a hot streak and get out of that bottom three uh for the for the lottery situation they got to hope that they they stumble I, i i think fans of their team have to hope that they stumble the rest of the way but uh i i'm wondering am i off base here or do you think this team is really as good as they've shown in the last 10 games
2: No, even a blind squirrel finds a nut from time to time, Paul. Uh, You know, some of these wins, too, have come against terrible teams. They beat Colorado. They beat Arizona. Um, So I don't expect this to to carry on, especially when your leading scorer, uh, Bo Horvat, is currently playing on your third line. Uh, So I'm not expecting this to to carry forward. Um, And I expect a, a drop off here in the near future.
1: Over in Washington, you have to be shaking a little bit knowing that uh, Braden he looks like he's back in the top of his game. Back to back shutouts, that he goes into Montreal, gives up only one, and they win there. This team may be fourth in the Metro Division, but they'd be first in the Atlantic. Uh, so, uh, pretty good squad there in Washington still. And uh, John Carlson, with five points his last six games before last night, is proving that he really is an elite power play quarterback. Anybody that gave up on him gave up way too soon. The offense is clicking. The team goals against is under two. I say watch out for the Caps.
2: I won't worry about the Caps until they can have success in the postseason. <laughs> they're, they're always right there in the President's Trophy race during the regular season. They do great there. Um, but, you know, they just aren't, at least they haven't been a postseason team. Um, And I'm not too worried about them quite yet. I I will mention, you know, we've talked about Alexander Oveshian having a a bit of a down year, had a huge night last night, three points. Um, That is just his eighth multipoint game of the season. And while that may seem like a lot, just to put in comparison, uh, Austin Matthews has nine, Connor McDavid has 15, Sidney Crosby has 14. So if he can get back to being, you know, he should normally be leading that list of multipoint games uh, so if he can get back to the scoring, they could be in a position to maybe dethrone the Penguins. Um, but oh I'm not boy. too worried about it. Not too worried about <laughs> it quite yet until we get to some postseason success.
1: All right. And uh, what about in Winnipeg? All the talk has been about Patrick Laine's uh, season to date, but it's overshadowed Nikolai Ehlers. This is a guy who a couple of years ago was touted as the most skilled guy coming out of that draft. He's finally arrived, AJ, having a wonderful year working with Laine. Uh, on that top line and uh, so I wonder what you can tell us about him that I haven't already said and then on defense Jacob Truba was the subject of much trade uh, talk earlier in the season people thinking well he won't stay in w- Winnipeg will he but he's become the most added player in fantasy uh, in season-long fantasy in the past week or two playing very very well on the blue line
2: I think that Ehlers has really benefited from the early season injuries that they had I mean Brian Little was out for a while uh, Mark Shifley was out for a bit so I think that forced him early in the season to to kind of pick up that scoring and it seems to have him clicking on on you know all cylinders there Um, and I'll also mention Drew Stafford seems to be kind of coming along a little bit Um, that's a player that I think Buffalo had much higher expectations out of earlier Uh, the change of scenery uh, seems to be finally working its way out he's certainly not going to be a top scorer every night, but if they can get some production out of him on either their second or third line, this is a dangerous team even without Patrick Line. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, that's a player that's going to be very hard to replace, uh, if if at all. Uh, hopefully, he'll be back soon for for their hopes of a of a postseason. But uh, yeah, that was that was a tough loss for them.
1: Uh, okay, it's time to get on with our FanDuel lineups for Tuesday's slate of games. I believe there's seven games on tap tonight. And uh, we will put together our lives, beginning with the center position. AJ, who do you got lining up in the middle tonight?
2: Yeah, so I started it off with Ryan O'Reilly for sixty-two hundred. I, I normally, are, I'm sure our listeners have noticed, I, I tend to spend a little bit more at the center position, mostly because Sidney Crosby costs so much. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly is matched up against the uh, against the Flyers tonight, who we highlighted as a as a struggling team of late. So I, I love the matchup there. Uh, a relatively low cost centerman. And then I went even cheaper at 5,200 for Bo Horvat. I, you know, I highlighted him having been their leading scorer on the season. He's hot right now. So I'm hoping to capitalize uh, on him. They're playing a slightly down Nashville team, although they do so have Peque Rene. So goals can be hard to come by. Um, but I like both these matchups for, for low cost guys that are having success right now, uh, which is, as you know, the key to DFS. Uh, for your centers, Paul.
1: Well, I spent a little bit more than you overall, but I'm going to make the case for Wenberg and Columbus against Carolina. Carolina, as we mentioned, is the team that's finding its legs offensively, but their defense has been suspect. Their goaltending ordinary. Columbus has been one of the top teams in the league just off that long winning streak, and I think they're going to rack up an easy victory tonight and maybe run up a score against Carolina. That's what I look for in the mix here uh, when I try to look for players that I like I'll look for the mismatches I also see one on the other uh, center spot with Logan Couture $6,700 San Jose goes into Edmonton Edmonton uh, might be up against it tonight against a team that has a lot more fire uh, just as much firepower but maybe much more discipline than them and I look for that to be the tiebreaker here and Couture could really benefit particularly on the special teams four wingers uh, AJ
2: so I kicked it off with uh, Artemi Panarin for 7,800. Chicago's playing against Detroit, which I think is a great matchup for them. Uh, Panarin's on a two-game goal streak, so I think he can you know, keep carrying that forward. I expect big things out of him tonight. Uh, and then I'm going to tap into that Edmonton matchup against San Jose. Another you know, solid goaltender in Martin Jones, but as we kind of highlighted, Leon Dreisaitl for 6,600. He's been absolutely uh, phenomenal this season. I'm going to take the other side of that matchup in San Jose a little bit cheaper with Kevin LeBanc for 4,000. I like the fact that he's getting top six minutes. I I think that gives him some opportunities there and then rounding it out. I'm going to go to Dallas against Anaheim. I think Dallas is really starting to click 3,900 for Anton uh, Roussel. I think he can, you know, kind of get some some better numbers out of what we're seeing him plus it allows me to get one of the guys in the late games which we've highlighted kind of uh preventing that false sense of security when you go all early game guys Uh, your four guys on the wings, Paul.
1: All right. I'm going to go with the Edmonton uh, offense. I'm going to pick the other guy on that top line, Maroon, Patrick Maroon. He's on fire. He scored a hat trick, his first of his career, I believe the other day. He's priced at $5,900 riding on the coattails of Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl on a fine top line there. And you know, he's going to get power play time as well. And uh, I look for Alex Steen to come up large for St. Louis against Boston. Uh, that's just the type of matchup that this guy likes to play. And he, he surprisingly likes the heavy going. And he'll get some in front of the net with some of their tall tall defensemen. Not the least of which is Zdeno Chara. Even though he's 39 years old, he's still got game. But uh, St. Louis just has too much top to bottom for the Bruins, I think. And, and unless uh, Tuca Rask is right on top of his game, I think St. Louis wins this one easily and Steen factors in. You We both talked about Jakob Silverberg a lot. Uh, he's gotten top six minutes and really has shown the sniper qualities that we know he, he knew we already always had and Anaheim does get uh, I think a pretty nice matchup I'll go against what you said I, I think Anaheim gets a tasty matchup against a Dallas squad that has that shakiness and net. I, I see that Niemi looks like their projected starter he's been the worst of the two season to date so that's an edge for Anaheim and I'm doubling down on it when I throw in Corey Perry for 6,600 bucks Terry, everybody knows what this guy's all about. He'll be right in in front of Niemi's face all night long, and uh, he's just so good around the net that uh, he gets a lot of the garbage goals and and could get a couple tonight, I think, in this particular matchup. Uh, The blue line pairing for you.
2: So I, again, I'm I'm switching up my strategy a little bit here tonight. I, I'm normally high on centers, and then I find discounted defensemen. I built uh, from the back out tonight, uh, as I, I always start with the goalie, but then I went right to my defensemen. So I spent a little bit higher here. Uh, Rasmus Frista line in for 6,200. As I mentioned, Buffalo going into Philadelphia really want to capitalize on that matchup. And then Roman Yosi, 6,100 as, as Nashville faced Vancouver. I expect that to be a high-scoring affair. Um, I, you know, I think uh, they can put in some goals. I think Bo Horvat, as I mentioned, can put in some goals. So uh, the, the lack of solid net mining there, I think, makes Roman Yossi a solid play. Uh, what's your blue line look like, Paul? Well,
1: my blue line is also going to con- contain a name that I want to talk a little bit about. First, I'm going to talk about Cam Fowler. He's uh, become the Anaheim uh, leading scorer among the blue liners, and he's priced at only 4900 bucks. Power play quarterback on the second unit, I believe, but could see first-line activity there too. He's just been a very consistent scorer, the best they've had from the back end. But I want to spend a minute talking about Alex Edler, priced at 4,700 bucks. You mentioned that tasty matchup, a high-scoring affair is what we both expect. I, I get the guy who is also playing power-play minutes in Vancouver, and I've watched enough of this guy to know that he runs a very good power play. And if he gets to play with S- the Sedin's at all, that Swedish connection could really light it up this evening. And I get them both, both these guys for a total of less than 10 grand. I'm really happy with the f- defense pairing that I. Came up with tonight is what i'm telling you uh your goalie tonight to round it out
2: so i seriously considered shelling out the big bucks for uh bobrowski at 9500 columbus is playing carolina but i figured i could get an even better matchup we talked about carolina being a little bit on an upswing and saved myself 600 bucks by going with Corey crawford from chicago uh, talked about this matchup already i think it's a favorable one uh heading into detroit
1: well, uh, I really feel confident about my lineup. I'm going to lock it in as soon as we get off the air just to show you how, how confident I do feel. I'm not going to tweak it at all. And I'm rounding it out with Robin Leonard in goal. Uh, maybe it's ironic that we talk about his uh, fighting ability when we note that he's playing against the Philadelphia Flyers tonight. Uh, he's priced at 7900 bucks, But we also talked about the fact the Flyers are, are on a losing streak, six of their last seven. And I'm counting on that continuing as they visit the Queen City uh, facing a Sabres team that should be motivated to, to get a give a good effort and probably give possibly give Leonard a bit of a help because he's faced over 40 uh 35 shots in each of his last six or seven games that's a factor in terms of picking Leonard as well I'm hoping he keeps the goals down and the shots uh, the save percentage will go up and be rewarded in FanDuel because uh, goalie saves are a factor there as well So let's get into the stud of the week. Uh, Mine's an off-ice official, AJ. I wanted to let you know about that. Uh, For once, we don't stick with what's happening on the ice, but it's related to it, though. Paul Maurice gets my nod as the Winnipeg coach, AJ. He diffused all the noise around that Patrick Laine hit, which we really haven't talked about on this show to date. It could have been a PR nightmare for the league with one of their signature young stars getting whacked. But uh, if you see the hit, the players collided nose to nose and the injury on the guy that delivered the hit was just about as bad as as what Liney suffered yeah. so there was really no intent to hurt here I don't think and and uh, the league gets away from what what could have been a public relations disaster so I credit Maurice for stepping out in front and diffusing the situation big time.
2: Yeah we need to be perfectly up front here this was a clean hit it was hard and heavy um, but you know it, the Liney's head was down he was kind of facing the other way. Honestly, if I'm Paul Maurice, I'd be more upset at my defenseman for even making that pass in the first place and leaving that guy, uh, leaving line invulnerable to the big open ice hit.
1: Great call there. Uh, in terms of the rant of the week, you know, we we have touched on the fact or in the history of my work on, on these pods, I talk about the equipment of the NHL and hockey in general getting better and better all over the place. But the one fundamental thing, sticks are not. And we're seeing so many of them snapping at the worst possible time. A guy passes the point, passes in front of that. The guy's wide open, takes a shot, and the stick shatters in his hands. Then you've also got the issue of sticks tapping each other, and one of them snaps the other guy's stick, and he gets called for a slashing penalty, where we used to see this stick-tapping stuff and stick-checking going on all the time in games. Now it's just because the DNA evidence is there and the stick snaps on an innocuous play, the guy's in the box. It's all about the quality of sticks regressing, not keeping up with the rest of the equipment. I think that's a sad commentary, one of the few on this sport that, that needs to be addressed as soon as possible.
2: I think this is actually player driven, in my opinion. You know, the guys want the lighter sticks so they aren't as heavy. Uh, They want them to be able to bend and flex so they can get the extra power on their shot. Uh, But then they go and complain when they break. I mean, I I, I do think the players have to decide one or the other. Either you want a strong stick that's not going to break. And in that case, we need to go back to the wooden sticks of old that were solid and durable or you've got to have the flexibility and the lightness. I, I think the players need to decide what they want, and they can't complain about them breaking when they're buying a, a stick that bends you know, almost 90 degrees, it seems like, on some of these shots. So uh, it, it can't be both.
1: Jay, uh, AJ, I mean, it, the point was driven to me by one guy that used to play on the Leafs, and he's now with the Penguins. That's Phil Kessel. He has one of the, uh, the highest flexes on the sticks of anybody in the NHL, and he cannot take a slap shot because of it. It's like swinging, a, swinging a, a rubber band when you talk about a slap shot. But when it comes to the wrist shot, it really helps his game in that regard. So you s- sacrifice one shot for the type of other shot that he likes to deliver. And that really impacts on his, the quality of his sticks, which break a lot too. I know that from watching him up close and personal. And you must have seen that by now in Pittsburgh as well
2: oh yeah definitely seeing some some one-timers break on the power play uh it you know it's great for him when he's not on the power play five on five that that big flex uh and the quick release he has it's it's great but when he's on the power play trying to knock in a one-timer it's a disaster waiting to happen i kind of hold my breath when it's headed his way and hope they can send it to to malkin or crosby instead who don't have quite the same level of flex
1: so our message is fix the damn sticks (laughs) <laughs> and uh, that'll wrap it up for this week's podcast with statsman and aj remember to send your comments or questions on twitter to follow me paul bruno at statsman 22 and you can follow aj at aj shoals 24 that's aj s-c-h-o-l-z 24 we ask you to look out for podcast hockey pod every week and don't forget our thursday dfs nhl pod with me and aj will be back later this week so that you get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contest. so long everybody